Ephesians chapter 5. Get up, sleeper. Rise up from the dead and Christ will shine on you. All right, we just prayed bold prayers. Wake up. If you're going to walk worthy of this calling that the Spirit has poured out upon you, then we, church, have to wake up. Paul goes on and he says, pay careful attention then to how you walk. We've seen walk in humility, walk in love. Last week, walk in light. Now this week, walk not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Like what about this passage this morning might Paul be drawing your eyes to? The word shapes our lives. What might Paul be drawing your eyes to out of this passage? What might the Father have for you as you hear this word this morning? With everything that's happening around us, how might the Spirit stir in your life and wake you up this morning? I believe that God wants to do something in our midst today. All week, all week, we ended last week with Awaken, O Sleeper. All week, I've prayed for us I believe God wants to do something. I read, I meditated on this word, this passage this week, and something I found to be super helpful as I did this, track with me on this, was that I worked backwards in this text. And here's what I mean. The days are evil. Like, let's let's start there. Because culturally, right now, last week, Paul told us that the fruit of light was what? It was good, right, and true. So friends, the days are evil. Culture will never draw you into the way of Jesus. It's not going to push you. Culture will never push you to look more like Jesus. It's not going to. Culture will always pull you and pull you one way or the other in ways that are not good, not true, and not right. So this putting off, as we've seen over the last few weeks, and putting on in ways that, uh, putting off and putting on the new is something that gets worked out in our lives every day. Because we're being shaped, and we're being molded, and we're being discipled in every area of our life at every moment. And what does Paul say? The days are evil. The days we live in aren't marked with gentleness and grace. Culture is not marked by this gentle stream of love. It's not marked by this peace that leads us towards a living God. How do I know that? Spend five minutes on any social media platform and it will confirm this. Turn on any news outlet for five minutes and it will confirm this. Here's something even maybe a little bit that strikes a nerve with you. We affirm this in how we respond when somebody sins against us. Somebody sins against Sean. I know Sean well enough. He is a believer in grace and mercy. But if if somebody sins against him, I know his fleshly side because I have that same fleshly side. Isn't to go, ah, bless your little heart. You sinned against me. It's not that. No, what do we do? We want to get even. Now, I'm not saying that about you, Sean. I'm just, yeah, I'm just comparing. Our flesh says, no, no, no. We want to get even. Family, the culture is a raging river that looks to pull us further and further and further away from God. Why? Because the days are evil. And that's what Paul's saying here. Earlier in, this cha- uh, earlier in his letter, cha- uh, Paul in chapter 2 says that you were dead. 
You once were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. You used to walk in the ways of what? Of this world. According to the ruler of the disobedient of what? This age. We were all like that. We were all once children under wrath. Once consumed with what? The evil of this age. Or how about what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from what? From seeing the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Let me just put this boldly in front of you. Satan is the God of this age. And I love that Paul makes it clear that the God of this age, don't miss this, don't miss this with me. Though the days are evil, there will be a day that this age ends. And Satan knows, he knows that that day is coming. He knows that his rule will end. He knows that one day Christ is going to return. And on that day, every knee will what? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth. And hear this, even under the earth, that Jesus Christ is king. Satan knows that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And as John says in Revelation chapter 21, God will dwell with his people. God will live with them. And that will be the day where we know this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more. Why? Hear this. Because the previous things, the previous age, the age that we live in right now will all have passed away. But until then... The father of lies has always been and always will be as long as we're here on earth will always be on mission to blind people from the truth of the good news that's offered through Christ Jesus. That's his mission. The days are evil because he's at work trying to blind you in this very moment of your need of a savior. Evil blinds people. Like if you're blind, then you can't see the reality of your fallen dead soul. Evil convinces people that they are the hero. Evil convinces people that life is about them. That they are the king. That you are the king. That you can now have whatever you want, whenever you want it, in whatever way that you want that. It's been like this since Genesis 3. We've been living in this evil age. The serpent has set out to blind people from the grace of of God. Generation after generation, deception and lies. He even tried this tactic on the Son of Man. Think about when Jesus was in the wilderness, when he was fasting for 40 days. Who comes to him in his weakness and tries to exploit him? Who comes to the Christ and tries to blind him from the goodness of his very own Father? Satan, the God of this age, does. And family, that's exactly what Satan continues to try and do today, to enslave people, to convince people that they don't need rescuing or that you're not worthy enough to be rescued. You're not beautiful enough. You're unlovable. You'll never measure up. You'll never be enough. You're too dirty. You're too messed up. And all he does is he steals your hope, your joy, and your peace. That's all the God of this age will do. 
overpromise, underdeliver, and steal your hope and your joy and your peace. So I've been praying all week that the Spirit would awaken our hearts to the love of the Father. That even in the midst, even in the midst of this evil age, that we'd hear the hope of Jesus. And I'm not sure how all of you grew up. I don't know what type of religious message that was preached at you or what you grew up hearing. Maybe it was this works base that you could earn your way or buy your way into heaven. Or maybe you were told that you didn't need a savior because you are good enough. Just be a good person. But can I point you to a gospel message that our weary souls, that I believe our weary souls need to hear this morning. The true message of the living, loving Father who loves you dearly. Listen to Paul, what Paul says in Galatians 1. This is how he greets his brothers in Christ. Grace to you and peace from God the Father in our Lord Jesus Christ. And what did he do? Who gave himself for our sins, hear this, to rescue us from this present evil age. I find no greater joy than knowing I've got a Savior who gave himself for me. While I was dead to my sin at the bottom of the ocean, I had nowhere else to turn except to cry out to the Father, Lord, save me. And what did he do? He heard me. Jesus came to me and he pulled me out of my broken, busted, dead state and I turned from my sin. I repented of my sin from walking in darkness to now walking in the light of the good news of Jesus Christ. Friend, this Jesus of the Bible, he cares for you deeply. He truly wants what's best for you right now. That's why we say he's the good news, the grace of God to sinners and sufferers. This Jesus also, again, I, I'm, I'm combating not knowing everybody's story in here. This Jesus knows you, all of your deepest secrets and all of your deepest, darkest sins, and that didn't stop him. It won't stop him from reaching down and rescuing you. So grace and peace this morning from the Father who loves you and is pursuing you in this very moment. You no longer have to be enslaved to this present evil age. My prayer is that you would allow the Spirit to breathe new life into you, into your soul today. Or Christian, as Paul says, wake up to this good news. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and let Christ's light shine upon you, in you, through you. Because the, day, the days are evil. I love that Paul doesn't leave us there. Remember, we're working backwards, and so what does he say? Because the days are evil, we need to what? To pay careful attention then to how we walk. Paul calls us to walk as wise people, to make the most of our time. Now, I think let, let's unpack that just a little bit. Let's start with how do unwise people live? Thankfully, the scriptures are full of examples. Here's a few of, of so many. Here's just a few of this. Unwise or foolish people live like this. Paul says they get drunk and they live recklessly. Ephesians 5, we're there. Self-explanatory. They despise wisdom and discipline. Foolish people, they don't fear the Lord. Foolish people, unwise people, they're right in their own eyes, so therefore they don't listen to counsel. They have it all figured out. Foolish people, they hang with fools. 
They're easily angered. Foolish, unwise people are always in a hurry for wealth. Foolish and unwise people stir up conflict and they put their trust in themselves. Paul says, don't live like this. Don't waste your life away living foolishly. Pay careful attention how you live and make the most of your time. So hear me on this. Wise people will make the most of their time. Like if you're you're taking notes, just wise people. Everybody always talks about wanting to just be wise. I just wish I, I had wisdom to make this. Hey, wise people very simply, will make the most of their time. So to my my kiddos, teenagers, whoever, but also to all of us, but kiddos, I want you to hear this. There's one thing in life that we can't make more of. If you lose money, just go ask mom, right? Like, just go ask her for more money. I'm just joking. Maybe ask dad. But if you lose money, as an adult, you can go out and make more money. There's always more jobs out there. Most of the time in the economy. Um, But if you lose money, go out there and you can make more of it. If you lose a friend, kiddos, you can always make a new one. Sad. Grieve it, yes. But you can always make a new one. If you lose your basketball, you can always just go buy another one. Replace it. But kids, do you know what you'll never be able to do? I'll give you just a second. There's one thing you'll never be able to do. You'll never be able to make more time. Ever. You can't get time back. Ellie turned 12 this week. We, uh, it was a, kind of an emotional week. This is her last year, I guess, as a, as a kid. Next year, it's the teen years. Um, is she in here? No? Oh, she is in here. It was a bit of an emotional week, right? Like, we redid her room. It's no longer a kid room. It looks like a like a dorm room almost. We, she got a new bed and everything's situated and clean and all the, the fun pictures that were taped on the wall are off and it's clean and modern and exactly how she wants it. It's a bit of an emotional week for me uh, as a father because I know that time's passing by. I used to hate it when people would come up to Cody and I as we were expecting their first with Ellie. Uh, I, I, I couldn't stand it. They'd come up and say, hey, guys, don't blink. Be here before you know it. You know, they're going to be out of the house. And I, the whole time I was like, duh, moron, of course not. Why would, I, why would I not take advantage of the time? Why would I not do that? And it used to just drive us crazy. In the blink of an eye, time flies, don't waste it. Why would we do that? That's foolish, right? But when time's gone, you can't get it back. Plenty of times that I think of a father that I wish I could take time back. When it's gone, you can no longer get time back. And I love that the Greek word Paul uses for time here is kairos, which is translated the right, opportune, moment, or opportunity. So if if the days are evil, if we are to pay careful attention, if we are to live as wise people, then what Paul's saying here is if we can't make more of it, if it's the one thing you can never have back, then we have to make the most of it. A wise person will make the most of their time. John Piper, one of my favorite authors, he explains it like this. We should live our lives like a shrewd, wise merchant. And wise merchants in those days, talking about our, our passage, would see something that had great value and they'd buy it up immediately. They were always ready and looking to redeem and purchase whatever came available. 
He goes on and, and he says, this is how Paul <clears throat> is calling the Ephesians to live. To live like a shrewd, wise merchant is to live in those Kairos moments. Always ready to redeem, make the most of, take full advantage of every opportunity. That is what it means to make the most of every opportunity. Those Kairos moments. So what are we looking for then? Like you hear that and you're like, great, what, okay, make the most of every opportunity. How do I do that? What are we looking for? Well, last week, Paul told us in verse 8, walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is what? Consist of all goodness and righteousness and truth. So Christians, as you see opportunities coming for doing good, for doing what is right, for standing for the truth, for being gracious, for extending mercy, for being loving towards one another, for serving one another, for praying for each other, for encouraging, for building up, for gently correcting and rebuking all of the 53 plus one another's. As you see those opportunities come about, make the most of them. Snatch them up. Make the most of the time that God has given you, which means we can't live passive lives. You can't just live reactionary lives where we're always caught off guard, where we just say, well, whatever happens today happens. Just go with the flow. We're not called to just coast through our days. And that's why Paul says it's time to, to wake up. This light of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it shines upon you. And if we all agree, which I think we do, I don't think anybody would push back that the days are evil. The, the days we live in, our culture are evil, then we have to wake up and Christian, we have to make the most of every opportunity that comes our way. And I know some of us, the pushback here is going to think, man, what does he want us to do? He wants us to live like a monk, and we wear this robe around, and we just, we just pause our day, and we're always just slow. How are we supposed to do this? Your pushback's, man, I work 60 hours a week. Like, I've got multiple kids and multiple activities. I'm already overcommitted, and now you're wanting me to do something else. You want me to do this? You want me to do that? Family, the call is it to create more time. I think that's where we get so skewed, so off. The call isn't to create more time because we can't do that, for we know that's impossible. So the call is to live wisely, to pay careful attention to, to make the most of, to be good stewards of the time that you've been given. And I get it. We live hurried lives. We operate in overload mode. Like, I, I think I've even gotten comf too comfortable with saying when somebody's like, hey, man, how's it going? <sighs> man, just rocking and rolling, just one thing to the next. We operate in that mode, and some of you right now are already anxious about what's ahead today. You got a meeting, or you got this, or you got to get kids here, you got somewhere to be, the world around us, the world inside of us, it's so extremely loud, and as we run from one thing to another, it just creates and sparks in us this angst about us. I got to do this. We have little to no margin when it comes to our load or our limits. We Christians are terrible at this. We give little to no time and space to reflect and to breathe. And when we live like this, 
The reason you're angst right now as I'm talking about this is we live with this little hum going off in our mind right now. You know those little hums that as you're just laying there and trying to be quiet and there's this noise where it's like, what is this noise? This noise is anxiety. We live with this nagging hum, this annoying hum that we can't get rid of and it creates guilt and this hum creates shame and it produces nothing but a hurried life that we need to be doing more. We need to be more efficient. The hum occurs when our schedules are not in line with our values. We become tired, but we got to keep going. We got to keep moving. Family, that's not wisdom, that's foolishness. And somewhere along the way, the father of lies has convinced us that our worth and our value is, is only in what we can produce for this world which is why that hum is so annoying. It drives you crazy every day because you're never going to be enough. There's always going to be somebody that's work harder. You could put in 60 hours, and guess what? The guy who's going for that same job is putting in 63. You can put in 12 hours in the gym, but guess what? Somebody's going to go 15. They're going to hire a personal trainer. They're going to beat you out in that spot. There's always somebody there to take that. I saw my... I saw my counselor this week, and he was asking about margins in my life. He started asking about my own rhythms in my life. And he said, hey, Matt, let's walk through your day. Let's walk through your week. Let's walk through your month, your year. Let's look at five years at a glance. How do you rest? How do you Sabbath? What are your family rhythms? Getting all up in my business, right? Like, what? I'm not paying for this, man. Why are you asking me all of these questions? And he could tell. My ears get red when I get a little flustered. He could tell. And he paused for a moment. And he said, hey, let's just do a breathing exercise. And of course, I'm the efficient one, so I'm thinking, I'm paying for this. You want me to stop, and we're going to do a breathing exercise. And he said, let's just be present. Okay, let's be present. Whew. All right, I'm breathing. No, no, no. He said, let's breathe, and let's center our souls back to Jesus. He doesn't know what I'm preaching through. He has no idea I'm in Ephesians chapter 5. And he looked at me and he said, Matt, if you're going to do this for the long haul, if you're going to be healthy, then you have got to prioritize the here and now. I love the aspirations. I love where you want to go. I love the things that you want to see God do. But you have to pause and make right now a priority. He said, you got to slow down enough so that you can see the opportunity that God has placed in front of you. What, a, what he was telling me was this. Of course, plan. Of course, be wise with what might lie ahead, right? Like plan, set goals, strive for excellence, but you have to make the most of your time now and be present with what is happening now. Family, a wise person is looking for moments to take advantage of now because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. In the big scheme of things, Scripture tells us that your life is but a vapor. You're here today, you're gone tomorrow. I heard a pastor say that your life is just a dash between two dates. And I remember hearing that. I, was a, I think I was a senior in high school, and I remember thinking, yeah, right. Like, what, what does that even mean, a dash between two dates? That little dash is tiny, so small 
What's on a tombstone one of these days will be my dash, and I'm responsible to be a good steward of the time that God's given me. What am I doing today with that dash? How am I being present and ready to make the most of whatever God brings my way? Think, pray, consider, plan your day wisely so that as the good and the right and the true things come, the opportunities arise, live in a way that you can snatch it up. That you can point people to Jesus. Like that's, this whole sermon series in of itself is practicing the way of Jesus. To grow to look like our big brother. To imitate him. Imitate the Father. Walk in humility. Walk in the ways of Jesus. Practicing the way of Jesus is living a non-anxious life. It's something that, that's really pretty new even to me. Just to be very frank, which is why I started seeing a counselor of, of just like, man, I, something's off. I feel like I'm going at a pace that I can't contain. It's something new to me. But over these last few months, I started feeling this stirring in my heart that I'm living at a pace that's going way too fast. Here's how I recognize that. It wasn't just me. It was gentle rebukes from the Spirit, people in my life, my wife, my kids. I'm missing the things that are right in front of me. Multiple times. I'm too tired to make the most of them. I'm too selfish to slow down and to actually redeem the opportunities. Why? I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta do this. I'm too anxious about things that lie ahead, which means I'm missing just being where my feet are now. What is your rule of life, per se? How do you live? How are you creating everyday rhythms that bring fulfillment instead of emptiness and exhaustion? If I could just give you a tip. I'm new to this. If I could just give you a little advice. Start with where you're at. You're not going to make some drastic change overnight and become an expert by Wednesday in this. But if you truly want to live a life, practice the way of Jesus. If you truly want to make the most of every opportunity that God brings before you, you've got to start with where you're at and then go from there. There's probably some things that you need to cut today. If you're spending two and a half hours on Netflix and an hour and a half on social media, probably, I think it's safe to say, cut that out. Because you're not going to make more time. I think that's where Satan gets in and is like, oh man, you just, you just got to make more time. No, the time's there. I've gone through. Sometimes I wish I could just live with a GoPro like, and just watch. All right, let's, we're going to review film, how Matt live his life. And I'd be embarrassed. 15 minutes of scrolling. I've got, I got notifications on my phone. There's multiple times where when I'm out of that one hour of social media, I just hit extend 15 more minutes or whatever the phrase is, right? Or extend all day. It's Saturday. I'm just, just lounging around. I got more time for this. Start small, make some practical changes. Be present and put your phone down. It's new to me. I go to, I go to a meeting at lunch, coffee. All right, I take my phone and I, and I put my phone down. They can see. It's down. If it was up, I'd be like, man, I'm very important. But down, no, no, no. Leave the phone in the car. That really shows that you want to be present and take advantage of every opportunity God gives you. When your children are talking to you, just leave the phone in the other room. Well, Matt, work, man, you just never know. You're that important? 
We're, we're that important that we, we have to have the notifications now. You know that that, that that thing, that little device, is totally wrecking our generation. Man, it's, it's just, it's snatching up the opportunities we have. And I am just as guilty. I'm telling you, I'm very new to this. Another thing that's been helpful, don't sleep by your phone. Put your phone in the kitchen. I've laid down, I go to bed early because I wake up early. At 8.30, I, laid, I put the kids down at 8. By 8.30, I'm, I'm laying down. And I found myself like, oh, this is great. Look at me. I'm going to bed at 8.30. And then I'd wake up tired and be like, well, probably I was in bed at 8.30, but I, I watched stupid Instagram reels that Nick was sending me or something like that for an hour. I wasted an hour. Put your phone away from you. Neuroscientists say that this is the worst possible thing that we could do, is to sleep by our phone. We check it at first waking. Neurogenesis, most important time of your day for your brain, is the last thing you think about before you go to bed. And if what you're doing is putting your phone right there, then the last thing you think about when you go to bed and the first thing you think about when you wake up is shaping your brain more than anything else. That's that time of that neurogenesis where your body has to shut down and has to, to focus that's how you were created. You were created human as, with limitations. Let me just be very bold. We have limitations. And man, we're very good at, at, at crossing those lines. Another one. Last couple. Again, been, been very helpful. I did it with my counselor. Just, just pause. Take five minutes and breathe. Some of you are like, man, this guy is a self-help preacher. No, no, I'm telling you, if Paul says make the most of every opportunity, then I, I've got to rid myself of the, the nonsense and the noise in my life. Take five to ten minutes and breathe several times throughout the day. Welcome the day with gratitude. I mean, that's what, how the rest of this ends. Welcome it with gratitude. End the day with thanksgiving. If that's where you're at, just start there. Five to ten minutes. Don't try to be a superhero overnight. Just start making some small changes. You already have a rule of life, whether you know it or not. You have a way that you live. You have routines. You have sleeping patterns. You have workout regiments. You have eating and spending habits, how you parent, how you go out, what you do. It's not do you have one, but do you know what it is, and do you know what it is doing to you? Y'all, are, are we making the most of the opportunities? We've been given the Spirit of God, Paul says in our passage, May the Spirit drive every moment of every day for us. To where he goes on, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. If I could just sum that up. The first half, Paul's saying, be a wise person. This is what it looks like to do this. Don't be foolish, individual. In that last half that I'm, I'm not spending a lot of time in, read it. Understand that that's what you're called into now with brothers and sisters, in community. That you would speak and sing to one another. It doesn't mean we come in and we just start singing, oh, hey, hello, Sean, it's good to see you. Like, that's not what it means. It means we sing praises together, expressions of praise, praising and glorifying God for his wondrous acts of love towards us. May we wake up and pay careful attention to how we walk. May we be wise 
and may we make the most of the time that we have. Lord, we love you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are present with us. I know this was a lot. It's a lot for me to even process, um, but help us to start small, and that's just being present with you right now. Would you stir in our hearts? Would you do a powerful work in this church, in this body, this family? Lord, would we be present with one another, present with our families? Time's passing. Fast. This church is already... Five months, almost six months into existence. And yet it's still just a tiny dash. Sometimes I think we look at our lives and we think, I've got all this time. It's just a vapor. So all we can do, we can plan. You call us to be wise and plan and be good stewards and save. And and I'm not saying we just blow all of that. It's not what you're saying. What you're saying is a wise person is going to live open-handed lives this week. We're going to start today. We're going to make the most of our time. So yes, of course, we're going to be diligent in how we spend it. We're going to plan. How am I going to spend my day? How am I going to spend my week? How does my month look? I'm going to calendar. I'm going to, I'm going to communicate with my spouse and make sure that we're on the same page. I'm going to invite my children into this. But I'm also going to live open-handed. I'm also going to be present with where I'm at. I'm going to be where my feet are. think about the life of Jesus. That's how, you, how he lived. That's our model, our big brother. He'd be on the way. People needed healing and he'd be on his way and he'd sense the Holy Spirit and he'd pause and he'd go dine with sinners. Heal the unlovable. Spend time with the unwanted. mission, yes. Open-handed to your presence as the Spirit leads. Please, Father, help us. In Jesus' name, amen.